broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. I'm really excited today. We have a great guest, Miss Wendy Rudescu. She's a county supervisor, um, just a great guest. She's been on a few times. Uh, looking forward to that conversation. But before we begin, let me remind you, you can download this program anytime at whatstheplanmonterey.com, or you can listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, those kind of things. And I also want to tell you, we in upcoming weeks, we have a great slate of guests we have uh, the PG mayor, Mr. Bill Peake, the Monterey mayor, uh, Clyde Roberson. We have uh, David Henderson, a former economic advisor to Ronald Reagan, and my attorney for Landwatch Monterey. We'll have a lot of exciting, diverse views on all the topics of Monterey. So you're going to want to uh, tune in right here at 10.30 a.m., on Saturdays or go to those uh, iTunes, Spotify, and that sort of thing. And also, I want to remind you that this program is sponsored by Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. They can help you find great people for your business. So Google them, Express Employment of Monterey County, or call 831-920-1857. Great to have you on. Wendy, how are you doing? Happy New Year, Paul. I am so excited for 2022. I am too. I'm excited for COVID to be over, but it doesn't seem like, it seems like it's getting worse before it gets better. Maybe. I, I, I think, know. you know, it is. It's been, And I, I feel that deeply in my bones. I'm so done with this. Um, and also, I think it's going to be with us for a while. And I think we're going to keep doing what we've been doing to, you know, limit the spread in Monterey County. We've consistently been able to keep our numbers lower than what we're seeing elsewhere across the country and across the state. And I have every reason to believe that we're going to continue on that path. We're doing all the right things in a really challenging I, I situation. My unscientific view of that is that we're highly um, vaccinated in our county for one, and we're, we're this huge outdoors. It's very rural. And I think outdoors helps. In fact, we listened to, to uh, the owner of Hayward Lumber in the Rotary talk about the importance of outside air and air exchange in, in as far as uh, respiratory health. So uh, it's a little little plug for those guys. He has the uh, the Hayward scale. It's so it, true, uh, Paul. How, the, how, the more how we learn, the more we hear that ventilation is one of the best strategies that we have to keep each other safe. So if you're indoors, keep the windows open as much as you can. Um, get your air filters, create that box fan. I think they've got a link to it on Hayward's site. Yeah, um, <laughs> he was at the forefront. <laughs> yeah, he's been at the forefront of that whole conversation, really leading the way. Okay, Wendy, so you're the supervisors have been super busy and there's lots of news and lots of great things you're doing. We could talk about a lot of things, but uh, let's start with whatever you're, uh, what's on top of mind for you. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick, I just want to give a quick COVID update. Um, we are seeing a spike uh, with this Omicron variant. It's looking like about 80% of our most recently um, sequenced cases in Monterey County are Omicron. Um, our hospitals still have capacity right now. So we're, we're hanging tight there. Um, and uh, one of the big challenges that we've got ahead of us is we've done such a good job keeping testing available in the community, but the rapid test supply is apparently drying up. So we saw Lightspeed cancel all of their testing sites uh, earlier this week, and we're starting to see some of the Vita sites uh, shut down as well, just simply because the supply of rapid tests is not available. So yesterday, the Board of Supervisors authorized a letter to the state um, just to make sure that all of our state reps are aware of what we're experiencing. It is, from what we understand, across the state and across the country. Um, so we're going to just be encouraging people, if you can't get the rapid test and you have symptoms, 
symptoms, please stay home. Um, for anyone else, uh, upgrade your mask, uh, focus on your ventilation, and uh, do what you can to help us continue to prevent the spread uh, in Monterey County. Um, we want to keep our hospital and healthcare system uh, with full capacity, and we want to limit just the number of people that end up getting COVID. Uh, you know, there's a lot that we don't know about long-term effects still. So, and reminder that none of our under five-year-olds have had a chance yet to be vaccinated. So we do have really high vaccination rates, but there's a whole population of folks that haven't yet had that opportunity to get protected. So we've all got to band together to keep them safe. Um, wanted to talk about housing. Yeah, housing, about housing is calls? always a, a great subject to infill. We, <laughs> we talked with everybody, Michael DeLau, everybody, everyone of my guests, except for maybe David Henderson, I'll talk about housing and maybe even him. He's a libertarian. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it affects all of us. So just a couple quick updates on that. We have, um, La, um, sorry, AMBAG is working on the ARENA, the Regional Housing Needs Assessment Numbers, which is how the state tells all of our cities and local jurisdictions how much housing they have to build. So it's a really um, engaged conversation happening over at AMBAG right now. And uh, those directives are going to start showing up on city council agendas. Um, they're going to have to, all of our city councils are going to need to update their housing element and really figure out how to um, plan for uh, additional housing within our, within our region. Can I, uh, I want to make a comment and I, this, I'm not attributing any of this to you or your actions. I, it's just a general question because it's in your district. Uh, the dunes housing. So first we have water issues and that's always tied to housing and then infill housing is what we're really looking for. Vertical construction, that kind of thing. Yet somehow, and, and there's tons of land at Fort Ord, which is in your district, is how, and, and I like the dunes, it's fine, but it is essentially vacation homes for people in San Jose. But however, we're not, we see developments like that, but more rarely do we see stuff like the one in San City or that infill development or, or a vertical development. And a lot of times people attribute new construction and limitations due to water issues. So all of those, it's a big question. But uh, maybe you can tie, tie it in also to the, the recent uh, denial of the Monterey Peninsula Water Management District's uh, takeover of Calam. So. Yeah, so there's so much embedded in that question, Paul. And I know we've talked about in the past like, um, the challenges with water. And I'm going to say that there are opportunities for affordable housing that are not limited by water currently. Um, we talked about the Monterey Peninsula Unified School District. When I was on the board there, we did a whole planning process. We identified five sites that the district owns um, that are capable, that have water credits, that could be proceeding with housing. We need the political and public will within those cities to allow that uh, growth to happen. Um, so there's, you know, immediately, you, we, we could, had we made the right decision in 2019, we would be getting ready to open the doors to 300 permanently affordable units in Seaside um, uh, up at the, the middle school. So there are opportunities and we um, it's not just water that's the barrier, it's political and public will that continues to be a challenge. Um, you talked about the dunes housing and I think it's interesting. We have been building quite a bit of uh, single family um, market rate housing uh, on the peninsula in Marina and East Garrison specifically. Um, I think we talked a little bit, Paul, way back um, when Fort Ord uh, was uh, decommissioned, there was um, a settlement agreement that limited the number of housing units that could be built on former Fort Ord property. And that's the 6160 number. So 61, units. And from what I understand, all of those units have been entitled. So even though we would have opportunities 
to potentially add density, add um, uh, add ADUs, add um, add uh, you know tiny homes to some of the property that we've got out on Fort Ord. That that limitation exists and is a barrier for us to do so. Um, and that's until additional water supply is identified. So um, that's just, I, I, I mention that to folks all the time because I think it's really easy to say, let's just build all the affordable housing that we need out on Fort Ord. Those, those units are entitled for single family home development right now. Um, and uh, you talked about vacation homes and that's one of these things that I think we really need to talk about. In Monterey County, we have 14,000 homes that are second homes that they're not occupied. They're not rentals. They're not, uh, they're not short-term rentals. They're just vacation homes. They're empty units that are used on occasion as second, third, fourth homes that people have. And so when we talk about the need for more housing, it does matter the type of housing that we're talking about. It does matter who can afford to live in that housing and what sort of our collective ability to um, get people into that housing is. We could build a bunch, you know, we could build 10,000 more um, units, but if we're building the type of unit that's going to be utilized as a second, third, or fourth home, um, it's not going to help us address the need for workforce housing that we know is desperately affecting our schools, our fire departments, our hospitality. Um, it's, it's, it's a challenge. So we've really got to be, I think, more intentional. And that comes down to what our cities are zoning for and what our cities on the peninsula are planning for. And that's where I think the public and political will comes into play. We've got, um, we, we need people on our city councils who are going to plan for the type of higher density and build development um, and then figure out how to incentivize, and incentivize that and overcome the barriers that, you know, exist to, to get that done. It, Say, it Paul, could I ask a question? Water is such a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ahead, I, please, I just Mark. wanted to ask a water question uh, going back to that. Now, Wendy, those 14,000 second homes, uh, are they on the peninsula or in the entire county? That's countywide. So that's okay. a countywide figure. And I've, I've got the data broken out by each uh, jurisdiction in each city, but that is a countywide figure. Okay. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be presumptuous to, to figure that probably the majority of those second homes are on the Monterey Peninsula. Uh, Monterey, PG, Carmel, et cetera, Carmel Valley. The reason I bring that up is that you mentioned a moment ago about the entitling of the single family homes for the water existing at Fort Ord. I will bet that no one has ever done a survey or a study on if all of these second homes on the peninsula were occupied by full-time residents, what would be the increase in water usage? And where would that put us as far as where we are with our uh, aquifers and our water that we're taking out of the Carmel River or any other sources? I would hazard a guess that in one respect, those homes that are not occupied 365 days a year are probably, they're not using water, not like they would if someone was living there and flushing toilets and using the washer and everything else that people do when they're in a domicile 365 days a year. A really good question, Mark. And um, the other the other side of that, right, is that we know that the majority of water use isn't inside the home; it's in landscaping. And I must, I would also assume if if um, uh, that there's a that there many of these homes probably have some uh, external landscaping maintenance that happens. So I think factoring all of that in is 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 worth a, is worth looking at and worth thinking about. Also, another thing too, and I, I feel bad about bringing this up, but it's agriculture uses something like 80 
or more higher percentage of the of the freshwater anyway. It's that. And I think housing is only like 10%, which is kind of weird that our housing construction is limited by water because so much is used in agriculture. And I know we have like there's there's saltwater intrusion to the aquifer and there's a lot of issues. And that probably is caused by agriculture more than um than housing. But uh Norm Groot uh has great presentations on the Monterey Farm Bureau about that and how what we're doing to replenish the aquifer. So uh yeah, that that was just a quick comment. I also I want to move on to STRs possibly, or yes. if you have another. Can I throw? Topic. Can I just throw out one more comment about housing? Yes, I just please. want to give big, big props. Um, the state of California has thrown money into the pot to try to get um, some additional housing, immediate, affordable, supportive housing for our homeless residents. And the Project uh, Room Key program is up and running, and we have local cities who are acting on. On this. Um, just yesterday, the Monterey County Board of Supervisors approved um, some match funding for a project room key site down in King City. And I want to say thank you to the folks in King City who are welcoming that project. That's going to be additional um, um, housing, low income. These are hotels that we're converting into, um, into uh, living uh, quarters for people. We've got a project in Salinas. We've got another project. I'm not sure if it's been announced yet, but uh, on the peninsula with um, a motel that's being purchased and converted into housing units. So um, I just, uh, there's a lot of activity happening. And I know you wanted to also talk about, you know, we also have safe parking, um, which can is- I, Can I ask about the, oh, in the safe parking too, I want to ask this, does yes. that come with the, does that come with the, uh, the services that those folks need? Does it come with like the medical, maybe some of them uh, are struggling with addiction. Does it come with some of those kind of helpful services when you set up these these housing uh, little spot, the housing spots, does it come with some of those community services that you would have traditionally found back, you know, when we had mental institutions and things like that? So maybe get these people if they need the, whether or not it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's financial or whatever, are those kind of helpful people? Are they be able, are they going to be able to go to those spots to help out? Really intensive wraparound supports are in place. Really intensive uh, case management is um, part of all of these programs. And for safe parking, there's actually a very intensive application process um, that includes reference checks um, and a commitment to engage in uh, weekly case management with a focus on three things. One, to take care of any health issues that you've got. If you have a need your eyesight fixed, if you have mental health issues that need to be addressed, you've got to commit to, to taking care of your health needs and with the support to do so. Um, you've got to commit to um, uh, working to seek employment. Um, or getting your disability benefits sorted out. So they're helping and providing assistance with that. And then the third and really most critical one is that you've got to commit to working towards getting into permanent housing. And the Safe Parking Program has actually been one of the incredibly successful uh, outcomes that they've got. Uh, we have a waiting list for that program. The county continues to fund it. Um, but the number of people that move through that program is fairly significant. I, is there anything, you know, this is just a, off the top of my head, but I, I imagine there is. Is you know how like AA or Catholic Big Brothers kind of provide like a mentoring opportunity? Is there a way for folks in the community to either give back or people who have been through the program to kind of sponsor someone who's struggling uh, with homelessness? 
Yeah, that's an interesting idea, Paul, and I'm not aware of anything like that, but we do have this idea of community health workers, which are people with lived experience in the community, and we've just started sort of venturing into that with the VITA program, which is part of our COVID response. The county invested $5 million so that people in a community who are familiar with the community can go educate their community about the resources that are available. So um, we've that program, again, super, I think that's a success story for Monterey County, this VITA program. We hired 100 community health workers, they went out into the community, targeted the precincts, not even the zip codes, but like the name, the streets that had the, the, the worst impacts of COVID and started delivering door-to-door information and resources. Um, and when we deployed that, we started to see our COVID numbers go down. Um, so those are those are just regular folks in the community who are who are hired to go serve their community. Well, and sometimes so, I was thinking, because sometimes it helps when you're in a bad way, it helps to have someone that's maybe just one rung above above you on the ladder to kind of like be that sponsor that you can call. I was thinking more of a volunteer, but all of that, that is fantastic. And then, so the sheriff, so you're going to, I'm sorry, the, uh, I'm sorry, the oversight, you're going to have additional security at the parking um, location in Marina. Is that correct? Yeah. So part of our commitment when we offer safe parking is that we are providing people with a safe um, and legal place to sleep at night. And um, right now that looks like including some overnight security. Oh, and, and I will say also we continue, there's a waiting list for safe parking. Uh, we had a brief discussion yesterday at the Board of Supervisors. Um, there is a waiting list and we continue to look for additional sites to accommodate um, uh, additional people who, who need that support. Um, it comes with case management and it comes with county support. It comes with pretty intense wraparound. And we just need some more cities uh, to welcome that program into their jurisdiction. It is, it is a difficult sell, I can imagine, sometimes, because there is an argument that if you, if you provide the services, then more people will come. And that there's a little, it's a little bit like, uh, what do they call that game? The uh, prisoner's dilemma, because if your community next to you is not doing it, then they're all going to come to you. Um, yeah. And, and Paul, I hear that. I hear that concern. And I just, I, I acknowledge that concern. But I also was on a call earlier this week with Monterey Peninsula Unified School District. And without services, 21% of our Monterey Peninsula Unified School District children, those are our children living in Marina, Seaside, and Monterey, they're homeless. We have um, 9% of our MPUSD students currently living in a shelter. We have 2% of our MPUSD students currently unsheltered completely, living in tents um, or encampments. And we have another 7% who are living in motels um, or hotels. Uh, there's an additional percentage, I don't have the number, um, I, I scratched it off, but um, who are living in their vehicles with their families. So the the families who need these services eminently, they're here, they're just in hiding. They're not in safe locations. Yeah. And so if by providing the services, we're providing these kids with a safe legal place to sleep, the quality of their life and their opportunity to move into permanent shelter is going to increase exponentially. So I hear the concern, but the reality is, is that the people in need exist already. And our duty morally, ethically, um, is to figure out how to overcome our political and um, uh, hesitations because we're talking about human beings who are in really dire, desperate conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. I work a lot with those folks and uh, a lot of people too. Un not underappreciated housing situation is living in commercial spaces like office buildings and stuff. And I, I hope the police don't do it, but uh, I'm sure if they ever did go door knocking at night in, a, in some of the office buildings around here, they'd find people living in them. But uh, 
Got, kind of shifting gears from housing uh, onto uh, so the sheriff oversight committee. That's that's something a statewide they're doing. They're proposing like uh, I guess supervisors in the counties establish committees to do kind of like an independent um, IG kind of thing to oversee the sheriff's departments. And I, I think you're you and other supervisors are proposing something like that in Monterey. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So last year, AB 1185 was passed by the California State Legislature, and it authorizes counties to establish a sheriff's oversight board um, that would would consist of citizens in the community and give those citizens who are on that board some very specific powers and authority. Um, So these, these, these oversight boards can be either created by a board of supervisors or by a vote of the county residents. And so um, when I saw this legislation, I thought it's one more tool that we can have available to us in Monterey County to help the Board of Supervisors. Um, We we have this in the county code, in the state code, we have a duty to supervise all county um, officials. So even though the the sheriff is independently elected, there is a duty of the Board of Supervisors to supervise that that other elected official. However, there's very little um, there's very little tools for us to do so. Uh, we approve the budget. Once we've approved the budget, we don't get to tell the sheriff how to behave, what to do, how to spend his money, what to prioritize. So it it makes it really challenging from where we sit uh, to to exercise any authority over that position. So I was excited when I read about 1185. Um, I talked to a couple of community groups. Um, they were on board. Um, I've spoken to a couple of the sheriff candidates about it um, who are running for sheriff. And I, I think that with the transition in the sheriff's office leadership, like now is a really good time for us to just set up a different kind of relationship and expectation of accountability and transparency with that sheriff's office. So um, I'm super pleased. Yesterday, uh, my board of supervisors um, gave the thumbs up for the county staff to um, to start working on this project and bring back uh, some um, bring back some recommendations about how we can move forward to create this new oversight body. That's that that's uh, great. I uh, I'll open it up. I did have one more question. I do want to ask you about STRs, but I wanted to open it up real quick because you may have other stuff on your list that you want to talk about in the last five minutes. Yeah, just one last thing about housing, because I think housing really does. It's been a priority. I heard it when I was on the campaign trail, and it was a priority for my staff last year. Um, The Housing Authority has had some really big challenges going back many years. And um, right before Christmas, we were able to um, step in, the Board of Supervisors, Housing Authority is a separate agency, but we do um, appoint the commissioners who serve as the board of the Housing Authority. And um, after the passing of the executive director and some big vacancies that showed up in their executive leadership team, um, they were down to uh, zero of their top four folks um, after a resignation letter came in. So we hosted a joint meeting um, two days before Christmas uh, with the board of the Housing Authority, and we're able to make some recommendations. We don't get to tell the Housing Authority what to do, but we made some very strong recommendations in that meeting for how the housing authority could restructure um, one of their development uh, nonprofit arms uh, to uh, better allow the county to utilize our housing authority resources and leverage state dollars to build and construct additional affordable housing. So it's fairly technical, um, but I think my, my takeaway is that there's there are these really big, like we want the housing built, but in order to get the housing built, we have a we have 
tools available to us, but we weren't utilizing those tools at the highest capacity. And so this action that the board came together to take, um, it was controversial. Um, it wasn't uh, unanimous uh, support um, on the housing authority side, but um, it was a huge, huge structural step forward for Monterey County to have resources to continue building affordable housing. So really just excited to share that and um, let people know. I was, I think my take was I want people to know that there's a lot of work happening on that in that space right now. That, that is great because workers definitely need a place to live. I will always, sadly though, Wendy, if I, I'll probably, uh, you know, I, I would always go with a libertarian perspective. I think anything that like that needs to be done more, you know, people should just be allowed to build housing. And I know there's environmental concerns and all this, and it's just not getting done. But I, I think the reason that there's gridlock and not available housing is because we haven't allowed people to build housing. Uh, and if we had less rules instead of more committees and more stuff, I, th I think it would get more effectively built because you don't run into these problems in, say, Reno. Uh, yeah, well, we just passed state legislation. It's coming at us, right? I know, that ADU, ADU stuff. Eight, nine. ADU stuff. I mean, there's ADU. We just opened the door. There's all of the, you can split your single family lots now. I mean, there's a lot of progress um, in trying at the state level trying to streamline opportunity. I, I love that, Wendy. And I, and I really do appreciate all your efforts. And I, the only reason I... Just as a person, I'm aware I'm like one of the five percent that I really do think uh, individual freedoms lead to a better outcome sometimes, but uh, not always, but sometimes. And then this is the one of those cases where we can kind of like build. But last question I have is: we're always we always need money, and the county always needs money. And I and I see this is true in Pacific Grove with the American Tin Cannery and, and other places. And now Monterey, they're you know they're going to excise now have another tax, even though they're turning down STRs. Is so. What is the argument against STRs, uh, particularly in Mary Adams District and all over and, and the enforcement? Because I, I assume you guys are going to lose a lot of tax revenue over that. And a lot of people are probably going to lose jobs as cleaners and, and managers of uh, short-term rentals. So just real quickly, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So um, again, this is one where like the, the soundbite doesn't begin to communicate the complexity of what we're dealing with in Monterey County. And the challenge for Monterey County right now is that we don't have an ordinance that regulates short-term rentals. But what we do have is a something that was created a long time ago that kind of allows STRs to operate with a special exception so long as they're like we, we kind of lumped them in with uh, bed and breakfast. So in the absence of an ordinance, um, but with the requirements of this previous action, the previous zoning uh, issue, it really um, prevent like we can't it's our hands are tied in terms of what we can do to say, yeah, they're legal. I mean, they're just not like, but we have this historical sort of workaround that we've used not very effectively and we don't have any kind of enforcement. So it's really a wild west situation until such time as we get an ordinance in place. So we've directed um, and we now have um, a very competent um, planning director who's working aggressively on the fastest time 
timeline possible to get the environmental assessments that you have to have done completed so that we can adopt an ordinance, so that we have a path to permitting, so that we can then do enforcement of bad operators. That's, um, and that's, that's a great answer. A I, I was not expecting that answer, but that's a great answer. I thought I thought maybe they were going to be permanently banned, but I really... Oh, we're definitely when, not moving towards a permanent ban. And okay. That is not what's being um, proposed, nor the path that we're moving forward on. Well, Wendy, I, we're running out of time, but I, I just want to say lastly that I really appreciate you coming on here. I know that the people who listen to 101.1 and 1460 AM, a lot of times are of a, you know, they're, they're the more of the right wing folks and stuff. And you come on and you give really intelligent answers. And I, you know, and I hope you're not offended by anything that I say, but I really do respect uh, your work and what you're doing in the County. So thank you so much for coming on. I really thank enjoy you, Paul. It's my it is the honor of a lifetime to serve my community. And for all of your listeners, my office is always open. I love hearing from everyone. The additional perspectives really help advise me in making better decisions. So thank you for the chance to, to join you, Paul. All right. Well, thank you, Wendy. I really, uh, great conversation. I want to remind you that this uh, program was brought to you today by Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. If your business needs people, give us a call today, 831-920-1857, or just Google Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. That's the easy way. I want to thank my guest, Wendy Rudiskew. I also want to thank Mark Carbonero, greatest producer in the business. And of course, Mr. David Marzetti, host of the Saturday Morning Shagbag Radio Show right here on 101.1 FM at 1460 AM. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we've got the great Mayor Bill Peak of Pacific Grove. Stomping on a dream.